I will admit today's message is going to be a little bit different. Uh, for those of you that are here for college days, you've caught us at a time where I'm going to preach a message to our college family that I usually deliver every year. And uh, the reason I deliver it is because it talks about the distinctives of the school and it talks about the foundations of the college. And I do that every year, not just for the benefit of our students, but for our faculty and staff. Uh, because there have been many schools that were started before Ambassador that are no longer either in existence or no longer standing for what they stood for at one time. And so every year I try to repeat it. And for those of you who are visiting with us, I think it will give you a glimpse into the heartbeat of the college. These are the distinctives. These are the things that make Ambassador, Ambassador. And I want to begin by saying this. I think that Ambassador is more distinctive in 2024 than it was when it was started in 1989. If I can reword it this way, I think it's needed more today than ever. And so with that being said, I'd like to read a text and I want to explain to you the context and then I want to give you some things from my heart this morning. Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. Now, uh, we've jumped right into the middle of a narrative where basically, if I could say it this way, the Israelites are being ratted out by one of their enemies. Uh, some of you had a sibling who enjoyed telling on the rest of the people in the family. Maybe some of you were that sibling and you have carried that over into the dormitories. It's a wonder you're still alive, you know, by doing such a thing. But here somebody comes to the king and they tell him, Look, 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 look at those bad Israelites. Look at what they're doing. They're rebuilding Jerusalem. Okay? Now, with that context in mind, here's the thing that I want you to understand. Notice the end of verse 12. It says, They have set up the walls thereof and have joined the foundations. And so I want to take that picture for just a moment. Years ago, Dr. Comfort preached a message every year in chapel called the Foundations of Ambassador. And in that message, he would give much of what I'm going to give to you today. But you know, I am another generation. Uh, I did not lay the foundation of this college. Uh, I, I was involved in the early days. I came as a student in 1992. It was like in the fourth year of the college. I saw it in its earlier stages and uh, watched it grow during that time. So I guess in a sense, I, I had a chance to observe some of those foundations that were being laid. But I did not lay the foundation, however... As the next generation, I feel like I have the responsibility of building the walls on that foundation. Now, in particular with Israel, Israel had been destroyed, or Jerusalem had been destroyed, leveled repeatedly in history, and now they're rebuilding, and they're building those walls upon the foundation. All right, now with that picture in mind, I want to speak to you this morning about building the walls of ambassador. And with that, let me just start by introduction to telling you that walls were very important in Old Testament times for three reasons, all right? Number one, they were important for defense. Those walls were erected to keep the enemies from coming in and destroying the city. Uh, 
Uh, now, in our modern-day mindset, wall, you know, defense is like Iron Dome in Israel, all right? You think about rockets, you think about tanks. But back in Bible times, if you wanted defense, you had to build walls. And at least, if nothing else, it discouraged the enemy from trying to ravage you. And some cities had very high walls. Uh, there were some uh, cities that were destroyed through the ages because people tunneled under the walls. But walls were built for defense. Number two, walls were built for protection. Not only were they to defend from the enemy, but often those walls were built so that they could be used in such a way that the armies could position themselves and they could go on the offensive and to be able to preserve their city. And then number three, the walls were built for identification. Uh, You could look at a city from a distance by the wall and say, you know what, that's AI. Ah, that's Jericho. Those walls, you know, when you pass, even in Lattimore, 450 people. Can you believe we're that big? You come in and it says Lattimore, town or city limits. You have a sign that tells you, all right, well, back then there were no signs, but you just looked at the wall and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what city that is. You could see it from a distance. And so the importance for me preaching this message today, I think, serves the same three purposes. Number one, it's for defense, to let it be known what we are so that we don't have a change that infiltrates the school. Number two, it is for protection. I think it's important for us to let people know, put our flag in the ground, this is what we are. And we are that way unapologetically and we'll stand that way and we'll continue on. And then number three, identification. Uh, I want you to know very assuredly what ambassador is and what it's not. And for you to have a good understanding of the philosophy of the school. But you know, ambassador is all that I have ever known when it comes to college. I started as a student in 92. My cliff, the cliff notes of my life as I was saved at the age of 12 off of a, a church van route. Uh, surrendered my life to the Lord at 15, was called to preach at the age of 17 in public high school, and then showed up on the doorstep of Ambassador in 1992. And uh, started out as a freshman who was scared to death. I did not have great financial backing at home. I did have help getting through school. It was called W-O-R-K. And, you know, sometimes I felt like when I was praying for money for my school bill, God just gave me more work to pay for it. But, you know, it was a great stretching time for me. And I graduated in 1996. I took some graduate courses, worked on staff. Uh, After that, in the dean of students' office. That's why I have great sympathies for the dean of students' office because I've been there and done that. And uh, But through my time at Ambassador, both as a student and then as a staff member, I really learned the depths of those foundations by spending many hours with our founder, Evangelist Ron Comfort. Uh, By the way, pray for the comforts. I learned that they're going to be returning home here soon. I mentioned to our students he's had some knee issues. He'll get back to his primary care doctor, and and I think they're going to take a look at it and see if they can get him straightened out. So pray for Brother Comfort that he'll get the care that he needs. They may even be back home today. But I spent many hours just sitting down and talking with him And we talked philosophy for many hours. Only the Lord knows how many hours. And he shared with me what God put in his heart before Ambassador was started in 1989. And that became a part of me. 
And so what I'm sharing with you this morning is just an extension of how He poured into me. Now let me say one thing before I get into the brunt of what I want to say this morning. It really bothers me to see young men go into a ministry and tear up the foundations and to change it into something that it was never meant to be. I think in the ministry today there's a lot of dishonesty and subtlety that one day will be reckoned with at the judgment seat of Christ. People who thought they were laying up gold, silver, and precious stone will find that it was wood, hay, and stubble. You know, churches are being changed and sometimes it's in a very subtle and a dishonest way. Listen, for me to come to this place and to change it into something that it was not meant to be, listen, that is not my right. It would be better for me to go and to start another college than to take what a man has built and put his blood, sweat, and tears in and rob that and to take it to my own bidding. And I feel very strongly about that. And I say that unapologetically for any young man who's done that. One day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But these are the foundations that I want to share with you as they were shared with me. And for those of you that are here for college days, these are the things that make this place tick. These are the things that make ambassador, ambassador. Number one. The first foundation I want to give to you is it's a school with a single focus, and that focus is the ministry. It's been that way since day one. Uh, One of the things that's happening in Christian colleges today is that they are diversifying. They're expanding their curriculum. And listen, that is totally their business. I'm not their judge. Uh, People will do as the Lord has led them. But here at Ambassador, we have had a single focus... And it remains the same today, and that is strictly ministry. Now, here we do offer a one-year Bible program. We have people come in, take the one-year Bible. And for those of you that are in the one-year Bible program, listen, you may feel a little pressure. You know, I hear it every year from one-year Bible students. They're like, man, these people are trying to call me into the ministry, and I'm so tired of it, you know. And then they come back to school for four years because God calls them in the ministry, but... But can I tell you one-year Bible majors, can I tell you that pressure ought to be there? Not that we want you to be mama called and daddy sent. Uh, We've seen people come in the one-year program and they end up going to the next step in life and they hit it out of the park. And I say praise God for that. But the reason you feel that pressure is because, listen, this place, the heartbeat is ministry. And that is our focus. That's why, uh, you know, we set up a generation for failure sometimes, I think, when we divide their training. You know, this is a big part of people. They're like, well, I think people ought to, uh, you know, have an established trade and then get their ministry training and then they they can go in the ministry. Listen, I understand there are people that are bivocational. But can I tell you one of the reasons Ron Comfort started Ambassador is that he would see young people go off to a Christian college as a preacher and leave as an accountant. You're like, is there anything wrong with being an accountant? No. Especially if you're my accountant, you know, I want you to take care of me. But he saw so many people get get torn off the tracks why they had a divided focus. 
And what happened is, is instead of being a preacher, instead of marrying a preacher, going to a mission field, they ended up doing something else that was totally different than their original intent or their original declaration of their calling. Here at the college, we have a single focus. And that's ministry. I don't mind it when guys sit in a dorm and they dream about planning a church. I don't mind it if ladies sit in a dorm and they dream about being in a school classroom or they talk about serving on a mission field or going into some aspect of the Lord's work. But here we have a single focus. 1 Timothy 1.12 And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. And so here there's a single focus. Uh, we have activities. Uh, we have, you know, people ask us about a, you know, a sports program. I say, oh, you know, we have uh, inter- intramurals. And, uh, but we want the main thing to be the main thing. At this point in your life, we don't want you to have any unnecessary distractions. Ministry is our single focus. And the day that changes is the day that we've deviated from foundation. Number two is a strong Bible curriculum. This is something that a lot of people don't believe. Let me make or don't understand. Let me make a, a statement and see if you can catch the distinction. There is a difference between a Christian college and a Bible college. And I think anybody who's objective would have they'd have to admit it by the facts. Let me say it this way: every Bible college is a Christian college, but not every Christian college is a Bible college. Now you're like, are those Christian colleges bad? No, it's not what I said. But do you know many times when you get into a Christian college, it has a liberal arts emphasis. This is something that people don't understand that makes Ambassador tick. Ambassador, instead of it having a liberal arts core, it has a Bible core. You know, if you're going to be a surgeon, uh, I want you to know about biology. Please. Know about anatomy. But if you're a preacher, I want you to know the Bible. You know, here at Ambassador, when somebody graduates in a four-year program, they'll have at least 60 hours of Bible. That's twice as much as some Christian colleges require for a Bible major. That's not by accident, it's by design. Why? Because we want you to get a foundation. There are some of our guys that when they graduate and they do graduate work, sometimes the graduate institution has trouble with fitting them into the curriculum because they've taken so much of the classes on an undergrad level. Sometimes our guys will go to a place where they get more training and they get advanced standing. Why? Because in the Bible college setting they had twice as much Bible as an average seminary or average person entering seminary. And the distinction comes in that we want to take you through the Bible. Now here's our goal. It's to take you from Genesis to Revelation book by book in the classroom. There's no Old Testament survey. You say, is that a bad class? No. We just would rather break it down and take you from Genesis to you know, Deuteronomy, and then we're going to take you through the Old Testament historical books, and we're going to take you through the poetical books. We're going to take you through the life of Christ and the Gospels. We break it down systematically. In four years, we're going to give you uh, the scope of the Bible. Now, let me say to every teacher that's here, teacher, it's important for you to cover the entirety of those books in your class. 
Because when you don't do that, it makes me feel like I've broken my promise to our students. I promise to take you from Genesis to Revelation, but if you get to the end of the class, here's notes on five books of the Bible. Sorry, we didn't cover that. That that doesn't please me. Why? Because I want to make good on my word. Now, I know it's a lot to teach, and sometimes we get bogged down, but we want to take you from Genesis to Revelation, book by book in the classroom. And I want to say this, in the classroom, I want Bible teaching that encourages people to believe the Bible, not to cause them to disparage it. I really believe with all of my heart that there are tenets of Christian education that are training a younger generation to be skeptics of the Bible rather than believers of it. You sit in a classroom and you ever have a faculty member who says, this isn't right in the Bible, see me. Because if I have to teach the class myself the remainder of the semester, we don't want faculty members that tear down your confidence in the Bible. You know, whenever I sat in three years of Greek and a year and a half of Hebrew, I learned a lot of stuff that I did not know. But can I tell you, when I came out of those classrooms, I had confidence in the Bible that I had in my hand. And that's very, very important to me. And so understand that we have a strong Bible curriculum. It's teaching in the classroom that supports the Bible. It doesn't tear it apart. Number three... I want you to see this, that we have an experienced faculty. One of the shortcuts that's taken in Christian education today is you get a younger guy, you train him up in your bachelor's program, your master's program, and then you throw him right back into the classroom to train others how to do the work. Now, I think that's a poor way to train people for ministry in two regards. Number one, practically, and number two, biblically. Let me speak to it practically for just a moment. You are laying on the table of Cleveland Hospital, Cleveland County Hospital, and the anesthesiologist is looking at you right before he puts you under, and he says, hey, buddy, I want you to know this intern that's doing your surgery today, uh, he was taught by somebody who had never actually removed a gallbladder before, but he knows what he's doing. I'm like, you know, think so you know why is it you know why is it that we entrust people and listen in the ministry we want people who have been there and done that I don't mind it when brother Lucan is teaching a class and he talks about how his back was pinned to a wall in ministry and he shares that experience with you whenever brother Ashley tells you what it's like I I was talking uh, I was talking to an individual years ago this was a real revelation to me he was taking missions at a Christian college, and I said, who is your teacher? And he told me the name of the teacher, and I said, you know, I don't recognize him. I said, where was he on the mission field? And this was the missions major talking about his missions teacher. And he said, well, actually, he's never been on the mission field. Now, you know, I'm a very tactful, uh, diplomatic person. And so on the outside, I was like, oh, okay. But on the inside, I was like, What? He's never been. And uh, it's, experience is not everything, but it's important. And you know what? The Bible puts a premium on it. You know why? Because uh, Timothy's were trained by Paul's. Elijah or Elisha's were trained by Elijah's. 
An ambassador is not a place for a career academician. And so when you sit in a classroom, guess what? You're taught. You're taught by people who have been there and done that. I was talking about the elementary education department yesterday, which basically Mrs. Thompson is the elementary education department. She teaches the bulk of those classes. But, you know, here's a woman who's had experience in homeschooling and also in Christian school education. So here is a woman who can tell you how that sometimes when you're teaching your own children and you want to kill them because they're not learning their spelling, how you make it happen. And at the same time, she can tell you what it's like to walk into your Christian school classroom and all of your students have gathered together for mutiny. The devil has possessed them all. How do you discipline them? The woman is not teaching theory. She's been there and done that. And there's a confidence that comes along in that. When you go to be trained for the ministry, you want to be trained by somebody who's experienced. Every class here is taught by a veteran in the ministry. That's building the walls of ambassador. Number four is our belief in the local church. This is one of the most misunderstood aspects of our ministry, hands down. There is no church on our campus that was by design. And I'll tell you what else was by design is requiring all of our students to become a part of independent Baptist churches in the area and be there every time the doors are open because they need to learn how to serve in the local church before they can lead in the local church. You see, you can't lead until you learn to follow. There's some of you freshmen right now, you're in a church, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just an usher. I had a guy one time, he came to my office and I, he said, I think about switching churches. I said, why? And he said, because I'm just an usher. And I think I sort of shocked him. I looked at him and said, just an usher, huh? I was like, with well, that kind of attitude, I wouldn't let you guard my doghouse. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Why do you think God's going to allow you to be a youth pastor when you can't even be just an usher? I said, why don't you just show up at church? a little bit early, and greet people with a smile on your face. Why don't you take the offering and be where you're supposed to be and not have to be constantly reminded? You're not going to make a good pastor until one day you learn how to be an usher. And you know what? That guy planted a church and he's doing great today. But you know what? He had to learn a lesson in the context of the local church. You know, some of the dearest relationships I had In my first few years of college, Brother Ogle and I, occasionally I'll ask him, how's so-and-so doing at Emmanuel Baptist Church for four and a half years? Um, I was a member at Emmanuel before moving to Maranatha. When the college moved here, I ended up having to be a little bit closer to home. People say, why did you move and change churches? It was because Brother Ogle started coming to church there and I left, so... No, but I had, to, I had to stay closer to home. But you know what? There were godly lay people in that church. Ken and Mildred Howard. I was telling somebody the other day, they were telling me about Mrs. Howard. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, that man, he helped rub homesickness off of me. Uh, when I saw a man with a guitar, I was like, okay, this guy's making me feel at home. You know, I was raised in the mountains of North Carolina. And uh, he, we would talk about things. I mean, this was a guy, he never had a Bible college education, but he was a godly man and he taught me much. 
And I'm going to tell you what, in every one of your churches that's in there, if you get out of your little college shell and you'd mix and mingle. By the way, if I ever hear of college cliques, I'll just take a hand grenade to your church and throw it right in the middle of you and watch you scatter and run among church people. You know, you get out there and you minister, but you do that in the context of the local church. And one of the things that I think is wonderful about Ambassador is when you come, you have the opportunity to pray and visit. You talk with your parents, you talk with your pastor, and I tell people, you pick a church. It's sort of like home. I know no place is like home. But you get into a place where you can serve and you pray about that, and then when you're in, you're in. You're there Sunday morning. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, you're there every time the doors are open. You know, you're like, what about during missions conference? Yeah, you're there too. What about revival week? Because that's during midterms exam. You're there too. You're like, that's not fair. There's a lot in life that's not fair. But you know what? You're going to learn to be faithful to the local church. And if you're going to preach one day and show up every Sunday, maybe you ought to show up every Sunday before you get to the preaching part, right? But that's very, very important. You know, one of the things, too, that Brother Comfort constantly stressed is he said, hey, in the local church, he said, I want you to be active in soul winning. I want you to be active in spreading the gospel. I want you to be active in ministry. And that's why we press that. I know some people, they say, we have to fill out a Christian service report about our church attendance and our soul winning, and I don't like that. Well, do you have any other better way to monitor that? You know, they say, I think that's a little bit legalistic. No, I think for some people that think that, that's just their way of saying, I don't like this because it forces me to do something that I'm just not really excited about doing. If you're training for the ministry, if anybody ought to want to go to church and serve the Lord, it ought to be a person who is training for the ministry. And so the local church, I love, I love it because you know what? In this context you, can have contact, you can have contact with your pastor and his wife. You don't have to stand in a long line and wait. I mean, you know, you're, it's, it's, a, it's more of a, it's going to be like a setting like you're going to end up being in one day. I forgot what percentage of churches in America are less than 100 people, you know, but it's a very high percentage. But you really get a realistic look at ministry and how to do it. So number four, the local church. Number five, a family atmosphere. Here at Ambassador, I'd like to think that we have a family atmosphere. It starts up top, but it also has to come down through the faculty and the staff. It can't happen by accident. Whenever I was in school, I heard Ron Comfort say statements like this, and you can make note of it. One is he said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That was something that he used to always say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Another way that he would express it is that there's no superiors or inferiors, only equals. You know, whenever our teachers eat with you, we don't have them in a press box where they're lifted up high and, you, you know, they eat with you. Uh, you know, open door policy where they ought to be, you ought to be able to come in and talk with them. Uh, you know, there's no hierarchy, there's no man worship. Uh, for years in independent Baptist circles, one of the things that we probably were guilty of was man worship. You know, I don't want it to be that when a preacher comes that he's treated like a rock star or he's treated in such a fashion. I'm, I am for being respectful. But uh, when it comes to it, I mean, listen, I put my coat on just like you do, one arm at a time. And that's where we're all at. 
And yes, we ought to respect titles, we ought to respect positions, but understand that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But can I tell you, it's impossible for a college to have a family atmosphere uh, when it has, I think, a real uh, arm of it that's in an online component. Uh, you know, today I think one of the things that has destroyed a family atmosphere is technology. And I'm not against technology, okay? I'm preaching off of that. See that? It's called an iPad Pro, okay? That's my brain. If I run over it tomorrow, I can. it's all backed up and, I, you know, I do that because I don't want to carry notebooks everywhere. So don't give me that, but let me tell you something. When it comes to training, you know the best kind of training takes place in a personal, intimate atmosphere. You say, are you against Zoom? No, I use it for uh, dual enrollment classes with a step ahead. But I'd much rather have them in my presence because you can read body language, you can see so much more. You know, when it comes to, you know, somebody's like, well, I just want to, you know, stay online at home and I can learn that way and take class sitting in my pajamas eating Rice Krispies. You know, there's a whole measure of level, uh, the whole measure of discipline that's lost. You know, there's a casualness that comes into, this, into the equation that I think can be destructive. Listen, when you come to Ambassador, the teachers know you by name. You might have to give them a couple of weeks. Might be like, hey, you. You know, but after a while, they should know you by name. It's a family atmosphere. Jesus had 12 disciples, and He spent time with them. And here at Ambassador, we want to spend time with you. We want to spend time with our faculty and our staff and those that are in leadership of your church. That's all a part of your discipleship process. One question I commonly asked is like, you know, are you going to offer... Online classes, widespread and ambassador. No, it's very, sing- it's very specialized in what we do. Number one, we offer it for the master ministry. And number two, we offer it in step ahead. That's it. You say, well, why do you offer it at step ahead? Because we have students who are taking Bible classes and dual enrollment online at other places, and then they transfer it into ambassador. And I'm like, well, I might as- we might as well teach them if that's the case, and we'll do it for free, you know? But we don't have any intentions of that coming over in the undergrad program. Why? Because, listen, you need to sit down in a classroom and it's important for you to learn human interaction and human nature and discipline. And there's just sometimes somebody needs to put a thumb on you and say, straighten up. You know, some, I think online classes, especially in your undergrad setting, that's like having an online wedding. Isn't that thrilling? That'd be great. That, no, 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 it wouldn't. There's a lot missing in that. And there's a lot that's missing. So if you're here and you're tempted and you're like, well, you know what, I think I'm, I'm just going to do all of my studies online. I'm not God. But I'm telling you, if you're doing that because it's easier and you're doing that because it's more convenient and that's your main motivations, let me tell you something. You'll probably live the rest of your ministry doing what's convenient and doing what's easier. And I'm just going to tell you what I have found in my own personal experience. Usually the easiest ain't the best. 
And I wish it were. <laughs> but here we have a family atmosphere. Faculty members are accessible. You know, in the dean of students' office, there's three things that I try to remind them of. Every time you discipline, number one, how would Jesus discipline someone? Number two, if my child was being disciplined, how would I want it done? And number three, what form of discipline will promote the greatest opportunity for restoration? And here in a family setting, I think it's possible for us to do those three things. And those are three guidelines in the Dean of Students office that I always want them to follow. But I'll tell you what, in, in my Bible college experiences in a family atmosphere, I, I have friendships today that uh, were hatched in 1992 because I came to a campus that I had only visited one time and subjected myself to rigorous study and I left with friends that are still in the ministry today. And I don't know that I would have gained it any other way. So a family atmosphere. Another thing that I'll give you as a foundation is preaching. Preaching is important. I've told students this, that when you come to chapel, what happens in here is the most important part of the day. Why? Because we believe in the importance of preaching. Listen, if you'd like to be campused, study in chapel. If you'd like to be socialed, do homework in chapel. That's a quick way to do it. Uh, we want you to come to chapel. We put a high priority on preaching. We try to model good Bible preaching in this chapel service. We try to model good preaching in the classroom when it comes to expository preaching, uh, homiletics and evangelistic preaching. We want you to be true to the Word of God, to preach it faithfully and to preach it truly and to be able to respond to it. Here we have a hot chapel platform. Uh, we have uh, opening revivals that are week-long. At the beginning of each semester, we have a missions conference in the fall. We have a Bible conference in the spring. We don't hold those to mark time to put on a calendar. We do that because lives are changed in those meetings. I remember there was a young lady. Her brother was already in school. She came to Ambassador and the brother caught me out in the, the lot there in front of the administration building. He said, hey, I just want you to know my sister's here and she doesn't want to be here. And I looked at her, and I, she was off in the distance, and I could tell she didn't want to be here. You know what was amazing is after a week of an opening revival, at the end of the week she broke, and she ended up graduating with a, with a degree because her attitude changed. You know what that was? It wasn't me. It wasn't the preacher. It was God and His Word that transformed that girl's life. And preaching was the vehicle through which it happened. We have daily chapel services, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. You're like, why do we do that? We require our maintenance guys to come to chapel, all of our staff. When the truth is they could get a lot more done with continuity of schedule. But you know why we do that? Because I think it's important for our staff to feel the pulse of this place and to be impacted by the Word just as much as our students. Another distinctive of the school is music. Music is a battleground in our churches today. And you know, I, I give this story every year in freshman orientation. I'll spare you the details, but my music philosophy was impacted greatly when I came to Ambassador. I was hooked on a diet of Southern Gospel. I sort of thought that anything went, you know. I mean, 
It was just it was the music that I used to listen to before I got saved and after I got saved and God convicted me. And then I found these styles of Christian music that sounded just like that. And I was like, well, I think I'll stay here. And then I come to college and God just begins to put the screws down on me. But here at the college, we have a high music standard. It's conservative. It's traditional. And we will tell you, yes, there'd be some things that I'm sure that would be fine that we may never have in a chapel service. And it's not because they're ungodly, but we maintain a high standard. Let me tell you something that I think that many in my generation have failed to articulate. Listen to this statement and I'll explain it. Here it is. What you do in leadership, what you do in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. Why do we have high personal standards here? Because what you do in moderation, they're going to do in excess. And when you keep a high standard and they drop underneath you, they're going to be just fine. But you live in the gutter and they're really in bad shape. And I'm afraid we have a lot in Christian leadership today. They have failed to understand that and those who have followed them have paid part of the price. But in music, we want it to be ministry. Uh, we, want, we want it to be ministry focused. And what I mean by that is our goal is, guys, if you come here for music, we're not teaching you to open a music conservatory. When you leave here, we want you to build a choir. When you leave here, we want you to sit in a Christian school and be like, okay, uh, i got to figure out how to put this group together and i got to figure out. We want to equip you for ministry. You know, years ago, there were certain places that were generating music majors for local church ministry like crazy. And they would do it in they would do it so many more times than us, and now we have more music majors for ministry than they do. Why? Because we've got to focus on performance. Now, let me say this. I think you ought to learn music at a high ability, and I think you ought to be pushed beyond your comfort zone and sometimes that requires you to do things that you don't like doing in music <laughs> the other day just uh, maybe it was this morning it was either this morning or yesterday I was walking by Dr. Scoble's office and he was working with a voice student having him do a song that probably would never be sung in church and it reminded me of it was one of the same songs that he used on me and I would sit there and be like well you know what this isn't really a church song or this isn't really something we would say, you know, gripe and complain. And this is the kind of response I got. He would say, listen, if you can sing this that's so difficult, then you ought to be able to handle Ship Ahoy like nothing. You know, the whole time, I, yeah, I was being pushed. I was being pushed to excellence. And, you know, so often, you know, church ministry music, sometimes it's sloppy or it's just half-heartedly just thrown together. Listen, in ministry, ministry demands excellence. And I want you to have that. I want you to be pushed where you're uncomfortable. I've never done this before. Well, that's great. That's what you paid to come. You paid to come to take a ride to make you uncomfortable. And in music, we want it to be excellent, we want it to be ministry-minded, and we don't want it to be like the world. Now, young people, I'm telling you, when you leave this place, you're going to have many voices. They're going to say, well, nowhere in the Bible does it ever speak to the style of music. And to those people, I say, "You you know what, I'll tell you what, you're right. The Bible does not say, thou shalt not listen to rock music. Boy, you got me there. 
But it sure does say a lot about the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, unclean. Let me tell you something. There's enough in that book to guide your music choices if you just read it. And I know there's some things people say are worldly that are not. You know, they say, well, you're wearing shiny shoes. That's worldly. But can I tell you, when it comes to music, listen to me, even the world knows what worldly music is. The world's a lot more honest than Christians about this area of music. And so we maintain a very high standard. You know, there are other things that I could tell you about. We don't have intercollegiate athletics here. You say, why don't you have intercollegiate athletics? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, have you seen the talent level here? (laughs) Maybe I should have said it this way. Have you seen the refereeing here? That's what I should have said. I get earfuls about that and probably will tonight. So be nice. Dayton and I are refing the game. But you know why we don't have intercollegiate sports here? Is it because of basketball is bad? No. But I will tell you this. Just look throughout Christian history, and I've been across the brook a little farther than you have. You know what? There are a lot of schools. They started out just like us, and before long they recruited athletes and lost their focus. And now they're no longer in existence. Or they field mediocre teams... And, you know, they always feel that tension of we got to try to put... And you start pulling in people that may not need to be with you. And so it's just one less distraction. And so we don't have intercollegiate sports. Another thing is this, we have no accreditation. You know, accreditation is a big thing in Christian colleges today. Virtually most of them uh, are accredited. And did you know that also most of them were like us 25 years ago? saying that they would not be accredited. And so I just want to say to you just a little bit, when it comes to accreditation, people say, well, that means it's quality. That doesn't mean that it's quality. It just means they have a check mark that they have done all of these things. But let me tell you something. With accreditation, there come strings. And as a ministry school, it's something that I do not want to have anything to do with. I never want there to be a day that the Department of Education forces the accrediting agencies to accept transgenderism or hiring with diversity, and if you don't, you lose your accreditation. Because when that happens, let me tell you, every Christian college in America is going to have to make a decision. And we're only one administration away from something that drastic happening. I don't want the government dictating how we train preachers. And you know what? There would be people who are Christian college leaders who are their schools are accredited that in honesty they would tell you that their accrediting agencies have put pressure on them to adjust their curriculums, to take out Bible classes, and to change things, and they have to fight tooth and nail to keep it. You say, well, it's a Christian accrediting agency. Well, that may be the case, but I just personally I feel uncomfortable yoking up ambassador with charismatics and doctrinal deviations that we would never support in mission boards in our churches or anything like that. I just don't think it's wise. I don't think it's right. In local churches, you know, when a local church has a college, listen, a local church would not submit 
any other ministry of its church to some of the rigors and to some of the outside control that's exerted by an accrediting agency. And so here it's not a matter of us lauding ignorance. I'd like to think that we try to do what we do with excellence. I'd like to think that we try to be conscientious about getting you through class notes and getting you through a system. Accreditation is not an assurance of quality per se, but it is an assurance of government approval and it frees up government funding. Some places do not accept it, some places do. We've just found an ambassador, when you're training people from the ministry, it's just best to steer clear of the government and steer clear of those regulations and just go forward and teach you like they've been teaching for the last 2,000 years ever since the church was born. And so you have to weigh that out. When it comes to ministry, that's why we're not accredited. So, let me close by asking you a question. How do we build the walls of ambassador? Well, I think there's three ways that we do it, and I want you to remember these ways. Number one, we have to remember the foundations. You forget the foundations, you can't build. If you forget where the foundations are and you build on the wrong spot, bad move. Number two, you know how you build the foundations? It's called hard work. It's, it's just a lot of hard work. It's like, I mean, for our faculty and staff, let me tell you, there were pioneers that came in and did things that we never would have imagined that we could ever do, and they built this place. They got the foundations in, and the only way it's going to continue is by hard, hard W-O-R-K. And can I tell you the last thing? How do you build the walls of ambassador? We have to join together students, faculty, staff, alumni, churches. The only way it's going to get done is for us to come together and to build those walls. And so to every student here, listen, these are the things that make ambassador ambassador. I don't want them to ever change. For our faculty and staff and everything that you do, you think about these foundations. It's not our right to change the foundations. And our friends that are here today and you're visiting... Well, for the last 40 minutes or so, you've just sort of seen bare bones of where we're at, what we do, and why we do it. And it's up to you to decide if that resonates in your heart. And if it does, we'd love to talk with you and we'd love to encourage you in your work for the Lord.